If you have it, somebody say, yeah. If you're too busy screaming to turn, uh, it'll be up on the screen. Let's go for it. It says this. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be scared. The angel's from Baltimore. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign. Somebody say the sign. Come on, Baltimore. Somebody say the sign. Somebody is asking God for a sign. I'm telling you, God has a sign for you today. He said, this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. So it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this Christ, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherd. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful, God, that your favor is on us. God, that your presence is in us. God, you've commanded your angels to encamp around us. God, we thank you that you are a God that heals, that delivers, that brings breakthrough, that brings open doors. God, we say, have your way in this moment in Baltimore, in Columbia, online, in PG. God, everywhere where people are connected, God, that you would speak. And God, when you speak, we will obey. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, somebody shout amen. amen. We are uh, concluding a, a little mini-series on impact uh, that we've been doing over the last two weeks, just talking about how God has called us to have an impact beyond ourselves. Somebody say amen. Before we uh, rebranded, Destiny Church used to be called Destiny Harvest Church. <laughs> we had that harvest in there, and the whole heart behind the harvest being in the name was you have a destiny. Somebody say amen. You've heard me preach a million times, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You are not a mistake. You are not an oopsie. Even if your mama said you were the last baby and you weren't planned, you were planned by God. And he has a purpose for you. Somebody say, I have a purpose. Come on, Baltimore, say, I have a purpose. But your purpose is connected to the harvest. Your purpose is not just for you and everybody with your last name. It's not just about building a great business. It's not just about wealth. It's not just about happiness. It's not just about your vision and your dreams coming to pass. God created you. He impacted you to impact others. There is an impact here on earth that God has designed for you to make. Somebody say, it's bigger than just me. Today I want to talk about your reaction. You know, so many people, they react in different ways. You, you know anybody that, that you just can't get a reaction out of them no matter what? They're just stoic. They're just settled. They're just, I mean, statue-like. They're, you're just not going to get much of a reaction. I love preaching to people like that 
because I always say something crazy just to get a reaction out of him, just, just to see if I get him to flinch or something. like. I was actually watching some old Kobe Bryant videos. I don't know if you saw this video, but Matt Barnes was trying to get up under his skin, and Kobe's standing there, and Matt takes the ball, and he pretends like he's going to throw it in Kobe's face. And Kobe's like, it was one of those, I, I wish you would. It was one of those like crazy serial killer looks in his eyes, just like, I'm not the one to be messed with. There's just certain people that they're just stoic. You get no reaction out of them. And then there's others of you people. What do you mean you people? You people. That overreact. In every, anybody know anybody like that? If you're sitting next to them, don't elbow them. Don't look at them. They're just loud over everything. I mean everything. I've just learned. I have some children that overreact. They get it from their mother. And I've just learned, any, any parent, I was going to say a good parent, but that's shady. Any good parent, you have the gift of interpretation. You don't interpret tongues, you interpret screams. Come on now. And you know what level of scream requires what reaction? This scream, somebody hit somebody. This scream, somebody stole something from somebody. This scream, somebody fell off the second floor, busted a head wide open. It's time to come running. There's different reactions. Some of y'all, you just overreact to everything. If I were to say there was a spider under your chair, Baltimore, some of y'all would trample your own children <laughs> just to get away from us. That cannot kill you. I actually did the research on this for another message for no reason, and I found out that there's an average of 52 deaths a year from a spider bite. I'm now afraid of spiders, because I thought the number was going to be zero. That is a problem. But we over... I have a question for you. How are your reactions? Because I find our reaction plays a bigger part in dictating our future than the situations that we go through. The reality is you're just going to go through life. The Bible says God's a respecter of no person. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. If you didn't believe that, there needed to be a pandemic to prove to you it doesn't matter your skin color, your economic background, or what part of the country you live in. Everybody is affected by some things. But I find it's not so much what we go through, but how we go through and how we react to the situations of life. You've seen two people go through the exact same tragedy, and one person makes it worse based on their reaction. And one person is actually able to mitigate the tragedy and actually diffuse it because of the, your reaction matters. How would you react if an angel showed up to you? One of my pet peeves with churchgoers is we know the Bible too well. We know the Bible so well, we don't read it as it is. We read it religiously. Huh? Some angels showed up. The glory to God in the highest. Next thing you know, the whole Kanye West Sunday choir is there. <laughs> but seriously, could you imagine? You're just hanging out in your backyard, taking your dog out or something like that. And an angel shows up, and the Bible says that the glory of the Lord shone around that angel. The first words out of the angel's mouth would have been the first words that everybody needed, don't be scared. There's all these different reactions from these divine encounters in Scripture. You remember Saul who was riding on his horse to kill some Christians? 
and God appeared to him, and he was knocked off of his high horse. Some people dropped like dead, paralyzed in fear. It reminds me of my son, Roman. He's two years old, but we got a puppy when he was about 12 months old. He was walking maybe 18 months. And he did, he, he did surprisingly well. I was like, there's two things I want my kids to be able to do. They don't have to have a college degree, but they can't be scared of dogs, and they have to be able to swim. Like, if they're not scared of dogs and they can swim, I feel like I'm a good dad. I've done my job. I've, I've accomplished my mission. So we got them puppies when they're young. And, and, and as long as we were holding the dog, he petted it. He was fine. He was good. He had no problems whatsoever. So we got lax. And we put the puppy on the ground and let the puppy roam. And we went off and preparing dinner. And next thing we know, we just hear a scream. This puppy is charging towards Roman. They're about the same height. He is looking in the eye at the end of his life. This boy starts shaking like this, falls over backwards stiff, and begins to play dead. He said, maybe if I act like I'm dead already, the dog won't eat me. Puppy starts licking his face. I felt like a horrible dad. He was traumatized for all of three minutes. They're, they're good now. But I would respond that way if an angel showed up. Glory to God. <laughs> Think about every bad word I've said in the I'm sorry. <laughs> These shepherds had ice in their veins. They said, hey, we want to hear it. What I've discovered is we can react to situations in life and that'll dictate our future. But what will really dictate our future, come on, Baltimore. It's how we react to the presence of God. How we react to God encounters. I dare say that God picked on purpose who he revealed his birth to. Because he was looking for people that would have the right reaction. I want to give you just three quick thoughts. Three quick thoughts of how do I react to a God encounter. First thing is this, if you could write this down. Every reaction, it starts with an action. In order to react properly, you first have to be able to process and understand what the initial action is. You can't react unless there was first and action. I think we're all in therapy or should be in therapy based on our childhood and the way that our parents raised us or did not raise us. I've been in therapy for years. I think I have it all kind of worked out. There's just one scenario that I just can't get over. No therapist can help me. I really want to preach a message on forgiveness and bitterness, but I can't because I still have some in my heart uh, towards my brother and my father. <laughs> yeah, I said it. When I was 13, I, I got the most memorable whooping of my life. Here 20 years later, Dad, I, I still confirm I did not deserve it. It was on a Sunday. My dad was preaching an amazing message. He was on point 12 in the fourth hour of his <laughs> At least that's how it was in my mind. And I, being the man of God I was, had my Bible open. I had a pen in my hand. I was taking notes, receiving from the man of God. So this is my version of the story. Actually, my dad is preaching next Sunday, so uh, he may give you his version of the story. It's going to be. He'll, he'll clean this up next week. But I'm sitting there taking notes, and, and in the middle of the message, I just stand up, and I scream. Ah! And then I turn around, and I say, I'm going to kill you. My father felt 
that was an infraction worthy of the whooping of my life as soon as I got home. So he dragged me through the front door. I was trying to explain to him that that was not an action, it was a reaction to the fact that my brother, who had not yet accepted Jesus in his life, had just stabbed me in the behind with a pencil in the middle. I'm a man of God. There is no way I would stand up and scream, I'm gonna kill you, unless it was warranted. But he wasn't having it. And he said, just in case one of y'all are lying, I'll just whoop you both. Every action first must have a, every reaction must have a action. And before we can properly react to who God is and what he's done, we have to properly understand his action. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you got to understand the action of God. He didn't wait for you to get your act together. He didn't wait for you to decide that you wanted to live a holy life. He didn't even wait for you to decide whether you believe in him or not. I kind of laugh in myself at people that say, I don't believe in God. My thought is, that's great, but he believes in you. Your belief in God is only a reaction to the fact that he's always believed in you. Matter of fact, he's believed in you so much that while you were wretched, while you were a sinner, while you weren't even thinking about him, you thought, he thought that you were worthy enough to lay down his whole life. If only we could understand the action of God, guilt would have no place in our life. Shame would have no place in our life. There's so many people that live life with an emotional head hung because of the regrets of your past, the mistakes of your past, the misdeeds of your past, not understanding it was when you were in your past that God loved you the most and said that you were worthy, that you were the one that he would want to lay his life his action wasn't based on your perfection. It was based on his love for you. And I'll be honest with you, church, here's my prayer, not as Pastor Stephen, but just as Stephen. My prayer is that the cross always gets a reaction out of me. My prayer is that I'm never saved enough or long enough that I can hear the cross and say, oh, that's cool. Oh man, I'm redeemed, I'm covered in the blood. No, my prayer is that my reaction to the cross would be utter and complete disbelief for the rest of my life, that I would be completely overwhelmed by the fact that as messed up and jacked up and manipulative as I was, he saw fit to call me and to use me. But here's the thing, the cross is not the only action that Jesus took. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says this, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given for the redemption of your sin. But he didn't stop there. He said, and the government control is going to be on his shoulders. If you're living an awful life, don't worry about it because his name is wonderful. If you're confused about where to go, don't worry about it because he's a counselor. If you're facing something that's bigger than you can control, don't worry about it because he's a mighty God. 
I was talking to somebody and they said, man, this pandemic has made me think about my mortality. They're about 32, 33 or whatever. I've never thought about that. There's something about this pandemic that has made me think about the end of my life. Don't worry about it because he is the everlasting father. He is the one that has no end and he holds your future in his hand. And by the way, it doesn't matter how jacked up your family is or isn't, you'll never be an orphan because he calls himself your father. He is the prince of peace. He doesn't just have peace. He's the controller of peace. And I love this part. Of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no, have you encountered that God? Because so many of us have encountered the forgiveness of our sin and we've moved on. And God says, no, 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 there's so much more that I have for you. I have a counselor for you, a mighty God for you, a wonderful Savior, an everlasting Father. God says, there's so much of me that I desire. Do you know that God is sending you signs every day of your life? That the cross wasn't the only sign that Jesus sent you to show you that he loves you. Matter of fact, every single day, as it says to the shepherds, this will be a sign to you. Every day God is showing you signs. The thing is, because we're not programmed to look for the signs and the actions of God around us, we're missing his action here on earth. Oh, can I preach a little bit? And our reaction are off. We react to the news. Come on now. We react to the economy. We react to ungodly people. And we react to everything except what we should be reacting to. And that's the action of God. Could you imagine what it would be like to drive your car and to ignore every sign that you see? Some of y'all did that on your way to church today. You ignored the speed limit. You ignored that red light. I I, I, I need to confess. Actually, I didn't run a red light last night. It was yellow-reddish. And it's so bad because as soon as I went through, I knew and I began to think of my excuse just in case I was getting pulled. You ever been there? You're working out your excuse just in case I get pulled over. Here's my explanation. It was yellow when I hit the gas. (laughs) Could you imagine going through life and you don't look at any signs? You You never yield? You never stop at a red light. You, you, you never look at the speed limit. Some of you are like, yeah, that's how I drive. That's why you're in your third car all year. <laughs> Some of us live that way spiritually, where we blow through every sign that God is. And here's why. Because we think God only wants our attention if we're making a mistake. Because we have this carnal mindset of God, not as a good father, but as an unrealistic judge. And we think an unrealistic judge would only speak to us if we're messing up. And God is saying, no, 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 I'm a good father. I'm a counselor that desires to give you signs of, hey, no, 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 go back and talk to your boss. There's more favor there. You left something on the table. No, 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 no. Go back and text your spouse and tell them that you love them. They need to hear it right now. He is a counselor that desires to give us signs every day of our life. But sometimes we're missing them. There's a story in the Bible in Luke chapter 16, I don't have time to read it right now, but it was about this wealthy man who died and went to hell. This isn't some fictional book you get on Amazon.com, this is Bible. And as he was in hell, and this story will mess up all your theology, because somehow he was in the lake of fire, but he was having a conversation with Abraham. Abraham. 
And here, read it on your own time. I promise you, I'm not making it up. Luke chapter 16. Here was his conversation. He said, please let me go back and warn my family. He said, I lived my whole life with all of this wealth, with all of this accolades, but I was missing the signs that God had something greater for me. He said, please let me go back and warn them, because if if I come back from the dead, that'll be enough of a sign to let them know that God is real. And look what Abraham said. He said in verse 31, Abraham said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one, though one rise from the dead. Abraham said, no, no, you can't go back and warn your family because they're getting every single sign that they could possibly get that God is real and that God is good. And he said, if they're not listening to the signs of Moses and the prophets, they're not going to listen to someone rising from the dead. One of the things I love about Scripture is there's like 15 different revelations in one verse. When he said, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they're not going to listen if someone raises from the dead. He wasn't talking about this rich man going back from the dead. He was talking about Jesus Christ. He was saying, if they can't listen to the Moses and the prophets, they're going to ignore the cross. What could be a greater sign to you that God has a great plan for your life than his cross, than the fact that he thought you were valuable enough to give his life for? But here's what I love. Here's the next revelation in it. Moses and the prophets was a colloquialism in that time referring to the scripture. Because in the New Testament church, they did not have the New Testament. They was the New Testament. (laughs) They were living it out. So all that they had was the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, which was written by Moses, and then the prophetic books, which were written by the prophets, Moses and the prophets. Y'all, you don't believe me. You want to go a little bit further? Remember when Jesus was on the mountain of transfiguration, Peter, James, and John's are there, and it says Moses and Elijah showed up, and they said, hey, let's build a temple for Moses and Elijah. No, 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 no. Then Moses and Elijah disappears, and Jesus is left there. Moses represented the Torah, Elijah represented the prophets, and it was a prophetic picture that the Old Testament was confirmed in Jesus Christ and that he was the fulfillment of. So every time in the New Testament when you see Moses and the prophets, it's talking about the Bible. So here's what he was saying. He was saying, if you miss the signs that God gives you every morning in your Bible reading, He said, you're not going to respond to the cross properly. Because every single day when we wake up, there is a sign from God waiting for us in Scripture. And we're missing it. And by the way, the sign that God left you is not be a good person. It's not don't be ratchet today. It's not general, ambiguous, hard. It's specific signs to your life. I, I, I haven't told anybody this publicly, um, but I am working on a book. And uh, don't scream yet. Scream when it's done. This is hard, y'all. And this is like my, this is the new, I don't know if I can do it. Like 10 years ago, I was like, I don't know if I could be a pastor and preach great messages and build a church and all that. And my confidence is really up in that. But in writing, if y'all saw what I got in freshman English, (laughs) y'all would say, help him, Lord. 
And it, 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 it's a lot more painful than I thought it was, and I'm working my way through it and, you know, all that other good stuff. But I was kind of wrestling because it wasn't coming as fast as I wanted it to come. I was wrestling whether I should write it myself or get someone to take messages that I've written and kind of transcribe them and let them write it for me <laughs> and then put my name on it and cash the royalty checks. But anyway... <laughs> I was like, should I like write it myself or should I just take one of the message series and have somebody else? And I just woke up one morning, I was just reading my Bible. And in my Bible reading that day was Psalm 45.1 that says the pen or the words written by the pen in your hand. And it goes on paraphrasing, will impact or transform the world or something like that. As I'm just reading it, the Holy Spirit just said the pen in your hand. Don't transcribe. You write it. So God, that's a sign. I'm going with that. Some of you are sitting with your spouse just saying, should we buy this house? Should we not? The interest rates are great, but I don't know if there's something that we're missing. God has a sign for you. Some of you are just saying, man, I love my job, but I just feel like there's so much more. Is this the season to take a leap? God has a sign for you. Listen, God's not just waiting for you to make it up as you go along. He is giving you action in every inch of your life. There are signs all around you. And my prayer for you, Baltimore Online, in this room, is that God would open our eyes that we can see he is at work around us. Pray for Stephen. He's ignorant. We're already trying to predict who's going to run for president in the next election. We're trying, we're trying to read in the natural God's saying there's supernatural things that are going all around you. Pay attention to that. The second thought is this. Write this down. Action must turn to pursuit. It can't just start at action, but there needs to be a reaction. I love the shepherd's reaction to these angels. These guys had to have been some gangsters. You, you got to understand who shepherds were. They were the lowliest in society at the time. They were often the outcasts. They were the rough, rugged, and raw ones, the one that people didn't really leave their purse around when shepherds walked by because they had some trust issues. Shepherds, they, they, they'd cut you. And they were also known for being a little loopy because they didn't spend a lot of time around other people. They would take these sheep way out into the wilderness and they'd be out there by themselves for weeks and months at a time. It's why David was able to write all those songs. He had nobody else to talk to. He had nothing else to do with just her. The Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> I shall not want. So these angels come and they say, glory to God in the highest. This will be a sign to you. And here were the shepherd's response. We'll believe it when we see it. I'm grateful for all this that's going on. But in verse 50 says this, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing for ourselves. I'm glad that I've had an encounter with God, but I want to go test it out and chase it out myself. So many of us, we have God encounters, and we stop there. And then we wonder why we don't see the manifestation of what we were believing God for, the miracle that he laid on our heart, because here's what a God encounter is. It's tag, you're it. When God speaks to you in a message, when God encounters you in your word, when, when God reveals a vision or a dream to you, it's not, this is guaranteed to happen, just sit back and wait for it. It's tag, you're it. 
It is now time for you to explore, for you to investigate, for you to run after it with all that you have. And as you pursue, you're going to see it unfold. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He said to his disciple, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. How many people you've heard a message preached like that before? Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. I've heard a million messages, and they're usually about rip up your five-year plan. They're usually about lay your goals and your ambitions and all that other kind of stuff and just, you know, surrender it all to God and let him dictate everything. I'd like to submit to you that that's not what the verse is talking about. Here's one reason, because Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Well, if I'm following the resurrected Jesus, the resurrected Jesus doesn't have a cross. He hung on a cross, but when he got down off that cross and gave up by that grave, he left that cross on Calvary. The Jesus that I serve doesn't have a cross. He has a tongue that looks like a sword. He has eyes like fire and a sash of truth across his chest. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on my behalf. So Jesus is not walking around heaven dragging a cross. So if I'm going to be a follower of God, it must not be a cross that he wants me to drag around. What is he saying? That phrase, deny yourself. It literally was a phrase talking about dead works. And what it meant is, stop trying to earn God's approval through your actions. Deny your own ability to work for God's love. Accept the grace of God that was done when the finished work on the cross. And in that strength, follow Christ. I was talking to someone who started coming to Destiny Church and God just radically transformed their life. And they said, oh my, I, I've heard about church, I've heard about God, but God has completely transformed who I am. This is actually, I started listening to every message from the Sunday that I came backwards on YouTube. I've listened to every single message that was ever posted online. By the way, guys, there's levels. I don't know what level you're on at Destiny Church. But their level, if you listen to everything forward, there's no. Take it for what it is. I was just like, that's pursuit. My only question is six months from now, are you still going to be doing that? Twelve months from that, are you still going to be doing that? See, for many of us, we have an encounter with God, and it just starts this excited pursuit. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go for six weeks, 12 weeks, for six months. Here's what the Bible said. The Bible says as the word comes alive in your life that the enemy steals some of it. It says that the cares and the stresses and the worries of life steal some of it. It says actually the success of life steals some of your pursuit. It's amazing to me how people pursue God until they get a promotion. Then all of a sudden, I got new influence at work. Now I don't have time to pursue God the way that I used to. It's amazing how you pursue God when you're single. But all of a sudden, you got a boo. And you don't got time to worship the one that gave that person to you. Come on now. Here's what I've discovered, that when I try to pursue God in my own strength, I'm going to get, I'm going to be good enough. God's like, yeah, that's going to be limited. But if my pursuit is based on the fact that, God, your grace 
has given me everything that I need for life and for godliness. God, I'm praying that you would give me the strength to be consistent. I don't even care if it's a pandemic, God, I'm still going after you. I don't care if I go through job loss, God, I'm still going after you. There can be sickness in my family, God, I'm still going. Matter of fact, the worse it gets, the more I'm going to pursue, the more I'm going to lean in because I know there is so much more to who you are. Hear me, the proper pursuit to an encounter with God is not tears. The proper pursuit to an encounter with God or response or reaction is not goosebumps. I get the goosebumps when the Holy Ghost falls. Presence of God falls. I'm like, woo, Mufasa. It's just... I've found some of the greatest reactions to God's presence are the people that look like they have no reaction. People crying and flopping on the floor, rolling and going right back to their ratchet life right after they leave. Not everybody, just some people. And then there's some people, it's me also in this room right now. I'm preaching my guts out, telling every funny joke I can, every revelation I've heard. I mean, I'm giving it to you. You sitting there like, This, this is the, 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 the universal, I'm not impressed. But you've just made a decision in your heart. It changes now. And you walk out that door with a mindset of, I'm going to pursue God. Pursuit is the only proper reaction to God. And kind of last thing is this, write this down. Pursuit leads to Purpose. Could you imagine what a spectacle it was for those shepherds to come into that city of Bethlehem with all of those sheep? First of all, you got to understand, those shepherds did not own those sheep. They were employees of whatever wealthy person owned the sheep, and they were returning to town too early. And they're walking down the street, and there's Hundreds, if not thousands of sheep following them, blocking traffic. Rabbis are screaming, get out the road. Sheep are, <laughs> like, you got to understand what's happening in this. It's a spectacle. They run around the back of the Hilton Hotel into the alley. Remember, Joseph didn't have a reservation. Stick their head in that storage unit. There's Mary holding the baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in an animal feeding tray. And those shepherds get down on their knees and they worship. I can just imagine the conversation that they're having with one another and they're saying, it's just like they told us it'd be. Like even down to the blanket he's wrapped in, like this this must be the Messiah. This must be God. And I believe that they worshipped that baby, which was a proper reaction. But they didn't just worship that baby. They were so overcome by the moment. The scripture says that they got up and they began to walk around in the street. You guys would not believe what just happened. These angels came and told us that the Messiah, that we had heard about in scripture, that he's here, and we just saw him. He's in the back room. The baby is here. 
You got to understand, these were the lowliest of society. Nobody wanted to hear from them. Nobody took them seriously, but they were so overcome by the encounter that they had just had that they could not keep it to themselves. Anybody that would listen, and I dare say a lot of people that wouldn't listen, you would not believe what I, it was amazing. You ever saw a good movie? Good movies or whatever. You ever seen a bad movie? I mean, like you were hype about it and it was trash. And it's like you just became the leading critic in America. And you have anointed yourself the person to tell the entire world, don't waste your time. I mean, the conversation even isn't about me. Guess what I just saw? I, I was supposed to be, it was trash. I mean, the storyline was weak. It was pretty, you become the biggest herald to people who don't even care about it. Why? Because you had an encounter. Here's the proper reaction to a God encounter when you've so encountered him that you can't keep your mouth shut, that you push past every social awkwardness and people who don't want to hear about you. Let me tell you about the peace that I discovered. My prayer is that as a church, we would so encounter God that we're so overwhelmed, we can't keep it to ourselves. That it just comes up in every conversation that we have. In every encounter, in every moment, and I'm not talking about in church. You, got, you understand how easy it is to stand up here and to preach the Bible to people who want to hear it? This is nothing. Reality is when we step out of this room and you're talking to that neighbor that based on their culture, it's pretty obvious that they don't believe in the God that you believe in. But yet I've had such an encounter with God Yeah, it's a rough year. Yeah, there's fear everywhere and there's uncertainty everywhere. But can I tell you why I'm not rattled? I just have a source of peace. You have a source of peace? Yeah, I have a source. It's like a sneaker hookup. I got a source. I got, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got a guy got a guy. Yeah, I don't even pay full price for my piece. What's this source that you talk about? You don't want to know about it. No, I need it. I find myself not even sleeping anymore. Me and my wife are fighting constantly. I'm just stressed. What's this, what's this source? You don't want to know. No, I want to know. Tell, tell. I mean, look, look. If you got a source, I need to know about that source. All right, I'll tell you. It's Jesus. Whatever, man. No, for real. No, no. Hear me. It's Jesus. I'm not talking about living right. I'm not talking about being a member of a church. I'm not even talking about stop cussing. I'm talking about... Jesus said, if I'm ever stressed out, if I'm ever anxious, if ever I'm worried, that I can dump it all on him. And his response is going to be a peace that surpasses all understanding. I didn't really believe it until my aunt got that cancer diagnosis. And I didn't even know what to do. I just hung up that phone. 
And I just dropped it on Jesus. And when I tell you a physical peace overwhelmed me in a way that I couldn't even comprehend. And that's the day that I realized he's my source. And hear me. He can't be your source too. Here's my prayer. My prayer is that we have such an encounter with the presence of God that the only reasonable reaction is that we pursue him with all that we have and we tell every single person we possibly can about the encounter that transformed our lives. Hey, can I pray for you? Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful that while we were ignoring you, God, you took the ultimate action to pursue us. God, I pray for every single person in the sound of my voice, God, that you would give us eyes to see the signs that you're revealing to us all around. Just where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. Maybe you've been aware of every other sign, but you've not been aware of the signs that God's given you. Or maybe you've never reacted to the first action Jesus took towards you. And that's laying his life down, dying on the cross so that he could be family with you. And hear me, the proper reaction to the cross is not religion. It's not cleaning yourself up. It's not perfect attendance. It's surrender. It's saying, God, because you gave your life, God, I'm giving you mine. So here's my question to you. Have you ever properly reacted to the cross? Have you ever said, God, I surrender all that I am to you? I hear the Holy Spirit saying in this moment, stop holding me at arm's length. Let me in. You say, Pastor, re surrender has never been my reaction. But I'm ready to make that decision right now. Whether you're watching online, whether you're in your Baltimore, whether you're in this room, if that's you, can you make that decision? Can you pray this prayer right now as a sign of God I'm surrendering to you? Matter of fact, everybody under the sound of my voice, can we pray this together out of encouragement of those that are making the greatest decision ever? Say, Lord Jesus, today, right now, my reaction is surrender. My reaction is I give you all of me. Thank you for dying on the cross even when I wasn't thinking about you so that all of my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And use me to show people how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate for every single person? Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.